We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm your host today, Jared Timms, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, I'm not going to say the line yet. I'm going to hold <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. Because I got yelled at by a lot of fans because I did not let you finish your rant. We had oh, a dog preview. I think we'll finish it later as we get into this. That's Go fine. ahead and, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. So, Angels lose two of three in Texas. But guess what? Guess what? 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 Guess what? 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 <laughs> we we won a game. Won one yesterday. Yeah, and we win one tomorrow. We won That's tomorrow. Two. That's two. We won one the, the next, next day. day. It's three in a row. It is a winning streak. It has, but it hasn't before. happened. It has, it has happened. happened before. A winning streak has happened before. And not for the not the way the Angels have been playing lately. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the Angels lose two of three in Texas. Um, hate to say it, but not all that surprised there. The Angels struggled against good teams this year. They faced some good pitching. Max Scherzer looked unbelievable. Jordan Montgomery looked better than I thought he would. Um, I thought the Angels might have you know a little better uh, better chance there. Um, and then uh, John Gray shoved. <laughs> John Gray shoved for sure, but Reed Detmers, and we'll talk about this here. It's a little bit better. Was just a little bit better for sure. So, um. Yeah, take two or three. I think I believe now they're five, fourteen, and a split against teams over five hundred. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply tough it's not a not a way to win not a way to win however well that's not a way to make the playoffs but well no well yeah it's not a way to make the playoffs not we're not a way to win same thing one good thing one good note and then nate this is characteristics of a decent team not a good team a decent team is that you're beating bad teams because that was something that the angels something that the angels had struggled with for a while I remember dating back to the bad Houston Astros years. It was oh, like, when the Astros just came to the West, we oh. couldn't beat the Astros if our lives depended on it. No, and the Astros bad. were trying to lose. Like, yeah, they, they were trying bad. to get Carlos Correa. Like, they were tanking for Bregman. <laughs> like, it was – and then we couldn't beat the Astros. So, yeah, yeah that, that is good. that is one good note. But, I mean, you, you got to beat the good teams. Like, sure. who cares if you're meeting bad teams? Like, you, you got to win – the law of averages happens where you've got to win games because nobody's going to lose 162 games. So, yeah, you, you got to beat the good teams. And you, you have to beat them more than, you know, five times in a year. Yeah. Yeah, and you still got good teams ahead of you here. You know, you still got a lot of a lot of good teams ahead of you. I know Tampa Bay is in a rough spot, um, especially in the media. We're not going to talk about that. But in a no rough starting spot, pitching either. They're they're in a, a they're, weird spot. They are in a in a weird spot for sure. Um, still still a team over five hundred. Still a very good team. Um, sure. So I, the team that you need to be uh, definitely need to be afraid of. And Cincinnati also comes to town. Um, another team that isn't playing as well as they were early in the season, but still a very good, very dangerous, yes, pesky team. For sure, um, on that side of stuff. So the homestand does not definitely doesn't get any easier. Um, it's easier than what it looked like, say a month ago. Uh, but even two weeks ago, even two weeks ago, yeah. But still, still playing good teams. You got to be able to beat good teams, especially at home here. So let's get on. Let's let's you know start with the series though. Like I said, two of three in Texas. Scherzer's shoved. Montgomery looked better than I expected him to look. Um, Angels offense. Just was not there, has not been there all road trip. Let's see what they score six 
seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 runs all road trip. Not a, not a good six games. That's yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Not a good thing to do, especially when you're going, uh, going into Texas and especially when those two teams in Texas are uh, the two best teams in the AL West right now. So um, I don't want to break down the first two games. I thought, you know, it was just bad baseball. Like, like we've seen in the past, just, you know, a bad team. Not I don't even want to talk about Max. Like he was Scherzer's fun, it's man. So, I, we said this so, on the last. It is so fun to watch. Said on the last like, podcast. It is so fun to watch really that is. guy pitch. And yeah. <laughs> did you see how pissed off he was when he got to strike out a guy on the pitch clock violation? He was like, <laughs> "I wanted to strike out the side myself. I didn't need no stupid pitch clock." Yeah. That was awesome. Like no, I, that, I, that's that's the edge and and the pitching rotation that you're missing. Like we still don't have that. Uh, we have a bunch of crybabies, but we don't have that that guy. We do, we do. It's fine. Um, we we don't have that guy who's like, just give me the freaking ball. I don't care what happens behind me. I don't care about anything else. I'm gonna get my job done. And that's the way Scherzer goes about his business. For Erlander, you look at some of the, not all elite pitchers are that way, but you look at some of the the, Kershaw. some elite pitchers are that way, huh? Kershaw. Yeah, Kershaw's that Kershaw way. Kershaw goes yeah. out there and just yeah, of says, course. I don't care. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a it's a mentality. It's a mindset for sure on that side of stuff. However, game three is what I want to talk about. Reed Detmers looked phenomenal, took a no-hitter into the eighth inning um, against one of the better offenses in baseball for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely a bright spot there. Definitely something I want to highlight. Uh, one thing that I do want to hi- highlight and bring up, I, I don't know. There was a lot of a lot of talk coming into this into this start for Reed Detmers first off by us saying this might actually be his last start at the major league level. If he doesn't, doesn't figure yeah. it out to some degree, like you, you might've thought about sending him down to triple a just, you know, to take a little pressure off to, you know, just go pitch, go, go do your thing. Um, and he went, he went and showed. And that would have only been two weeks by the way, because in two weeks you, you get to call up two guys. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, it, it was one of those things where it was like, wow, like, you might want to start thinking about sending him down. It's been a bit of a roller coaster for him this year, but um, absolutely shoved. Looks fantastic. Didn't go out there. It didn't feel like and, and tried to strike everybody out, you know, was more of a, you know, pitch to contact. Like when he threw his no hitter and, and I got screamed out again on Twitter for this, I said, you know, and arguably his best start of a uh, start of his career, you know, I didn't think like his no hitter was fantastic. It's a no hitter and everything. Didn't strike a lot of guys out. Didn't strike a lot of guys out this, this start either. Um, more than the no hitter, I believe. I think the no hitter only had a couple. It's six, and he had five in the oh, start. Regardless, re- regardless, no seven and a third no hit innings. Fa- absolutely fantastic. Um, the below is down. The below is down. That's something mm-hmm. I want to talk about. Uh, when the Angels drafted him, when when the Angels drafted him, they tried to get him to start throwing a little bit harder. Um, he shut that down, and this was all, this was in Long Beach at Long Beach State when it was the COVID year, and he shut that down and said. I think that I'm a better pitcher when I can command stuff a little bit better. Um, and I think that's something that we've seen a lot, of, um, a lot of from these angels pitchers this year is like, I want you to throw things hard, right? Like throw the hard slider. We talked to Lance about it um, uh, at the beginning of the season, about Reed Detmers, about um, Patrick Sandoval, about Bill H- Hazel in particular, um, who was a fantastic pitching coach in, in his own, in his own rights. But at some point, you have to find the middleman of: Do I go and throw my best stuff, or do I go and I, you know, pitch to contact and figure out a way to get to to get guys out? And I think the best example of this is Shohei Otani. I thought Shohei Otani, like during the 2021 season, 
really started like turning into a pitcher itself. You know, it's kind of gone away now. It's more of a strikeout mentality. I mean, but he's got the stuff to do it. He absolutely has the stuff to do it. Um, but you started seeing them rolled in, started seeing a little bit more of the pitch to contact, like, hey, I, I, I can conserve myself. I can I don't have to go out there and do it all do it all myself. And and I think a lot of times, you know, we we lose the side of that. You know, the Greg Maddox type of pitcher, that that crafty lefty. Um, everybody wants to go out there and throw hard and it doesn't matter where, where the ball goes, you know, it's, it, it, it gets guys out. Yes. But I'd rather see a guy be consistent, throw strikes, keep the ball down in the zone, you know, work with movement. And I, and I think Detmers is a perfect example of that. Like I think Reed Detmers is a better pitcher sitting 92 to 94 rather than 94 to 98, you know, touching 97, whatever, whatever that max velo is that we saw early in the season working down in the zone, working in and out, throwing that, throwing that curveball for a strike. And then those two secondary pitches that we've always said is the key to his success is the good slider. You can still throw that slider hard. If you want to, you can turn it into a sweeper. You can turn it into a sweeper a little bit if you want to. Um, and then you can, you can throw that change up a little bit more too. I think the change up works well. So um, it's different for everybody. Like I think Patrick Sandoval, I think Patrick Sandoval needs to go out there and throw hard. Like, I think that's how he, that's how he is. I think if he kind of took a step back, he wouldn't be that same guy. And also his change up works a lot better off of that arm action that he has, like that max effort type of thing. And then the slider works better. So everybody is a hundred percent, a little bit different. Um, but I think Reed Detmers is, is a little bit better pitcher when he, when he takes a step back and really pitches the contact. And I don't necessarily think that just because he doesn't throw as hard uh, that his stuff is worse. Like, honestly, I think his stuff is better when he doesn't throw as hard. I think it allows him to to have a little bit more control on stuff. I think it usually gives him um, a little bit a little bit uh, more of a a decrease in velocity, which I think that's one of you and I. We talk about this all the time. What's our biggest knock about Griffin Canning? He only throws one pitch like. That's been the biggest knock for three, how three long? Fast, three King? fastballs and a slider. He throws three fastballs. It's a it's a fastball. It's a fastball and a fastball. Like all of his pitches are hard. They're all within you know four miles an hour of the fastball, and that's not enough uh, of a change. And and you look at it, and like even when Reed is throwing hard, like he's ninety four, ninety six, touches ninety eight. You know, and that slider is ninety one, ninety two. Like I I was at a game where he's throwing ninety two mile an hour sliders and a ninety six mile an hour fastball, and it's like. Which is fantastic. I, I love yeah, it. I think that's really it's fantastic. Cool. But but like that doesn't work for him, right? It 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 doesn't work for him because everything is way too close together. Uh, if a guy guesses fastball and is wrong, he could still hit the slider because the fastball velo is it's so close to the slider. Like, like yeah, it, there's going to be a little bit more movement, but I mean, you're as long as you're a professional hitter, you're trying to keep your barrel in the in the zone for as long as you possibly can. If you guess wrong and the velo is only two miles an hour difference or four miles an hour difference, your your bat's still going to be in the zone a long time and still going to be able to make uh, make contact with that stuff, unless obviously it's out of the zone. But we know that Reed's not really that guy. Reed's a guy who likes to throw strikes and and mix his pitches up. So I love it. I love seeing Reed throw like this, um, and he threw really well. Uh, like you mentioned with Sandoval, Sandoval's a different guy. Like everyone is different, and that's what makes coaching so hard is you have these guys who are like, Hey, let's make everyone the same. And it's like the cookie. There's only there. There's not, you know, a hundred Shohei Otani's walking around. You can't just teach everyone to throw 101 with a sweeper and the splitter. Like 
yeah, there's a couple guys that can make that work, but not everyone, you know, like if we try to make that work for Reed Detmers, Reed Detmers would not be in the big leagues right now. Um, because that's just not who he is. Like Patrick Sandoval, same thing. Like he wouldn't be in the big leagues because that's just not who he is. He, he's not that type of guy. So Chase Silseth is that type of guy. He has, he has the same type of stuff where it's like, Hey, throw the ball really, really hard, throw the splitter off of it and then throw the slider sweeper in between because I don't think he throws like the true sweeper, but it's like, Hey, it's a, in between a sweeper and a slider. I know that's a, a top slur. out. It's, it's a slur. Yeah, it's, it's more like, slurvy really? than, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a little harder than what Otani throws, but it's not straight slider movement. So yeah, I think that's a big thing. And I, by the way, I looked it up. Reed had two punches in his uh, no, no one walk. Okay. I yeah. So yeah, no. So he, he did have more strikeouts in this game. Um, against a, a really, really, really good team. This is one of the best offenses in baseball. Um, you could argue it's the second best offense in baseball, the best offense in the American League. Um, and they're healthy. I know I know. John Heim's not hitting left-handed pitchers right now, but Mitch Garver rakes against lefties. And the fact that you're he kind of pitched around him, it was kind of like the one guy that was like, all right, he's not going to beat us, but, you know, we'll, we'll go get – we'll go out and get Simeon and Seager and – and all these guys, Simeon was the one who, who broke it up. But, like, yeah, he threw the ball well. I, I really liked what he did. And um, good way to go home. I know it, it's it's a weird one, I think, because you lose the series. Obviously, you're pissed off. But, like, going home almost on, like, a little bit of a high note because of the way that Reed threw the ball. And you got the dub against a really, really good team. So I, I thought it was interesting um, to just see how Reed threw the ball. And, you I think you guys know I'm a big Reed Detmers guy. I'm a big Chase Silseth guy. Not as big on the uh, the Tyler Anderson, Patrick Sandoval, and and Jose Suarez, but like, you know, that's just who I am. I, I'm a big Chase Silseth guy and Reed Detmers guy. I I like to see them succeed, and yeah, it was to a point where I was like, Reed's gonna have to go down if he can't figure this thing out. And I'm glad that he was able to put together a good outing and and get ready to go. Hopefully, he can keep this going the rest of the year because. This is almost what we saw last year, where like going into the no hitter, it was like eh, he's okay, and then all of a sudden he throws that no hitter, and then all of a sudden it was seven zeros, Life seven zeros, yeah. six and one, six and one. You're like, oh, okay, like this guy could be a dude for us, mm-hmm. and it's like he's probably not that dude where it's seven shutty every time out, but he's also not what we've seen the last couple outings where he's been, you know, twelve innings, uh, thirteen runs or whatever it's been, so. It might even be worse than that. 15 innings, 16 runs, something like that. But yeah, I, I'm encouraged. I, I like what Reed did today. And I think that it's not, it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't an accident that he was throwing with less velo. I think that is intent. And that is something that he, he was trying to do. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And, and I, like Detmer's had gotten a lot of slack on, on social media and, and everything in the past, you know, couple of weeks, like asking this and down. Even, I mean, we even said it. 23 years old, still learning how to pitch at the major league level. The fact that he almost says, I don't know if I actually would have to look this up. Youngest player to have two no hitters. It probably would have been him, to be honest. Like, I don't think too many guys throw two no hitters before 23. I can't, like, I, I would assume Nolan Ryan probably didn't do it. I would assume, I'm trying to think of anybody else who's had. I'm guessing the bird threw one really early. Yeah. I don't know if he had two, though. Like, thing. Yeah. No, I, I don't know who would have been the, but I, I'm going to guess the, I think the bird threw one at like 20. 2021 uh fernando probably threw one earlier i'm gonna check that just to see what the youngest guy is i I would have i wouldn't know i it's been something sitting in the back of my head just like because uh, he almost just threw another one but 
yeah, I remember 23 years old. Um, there's a lot of upside there. I've always said very similar to a, a Clayton Kershaw, Barry Zito type guy. I'm pretty sure Barry Zito won a, won a Cy Young or two uh, in Oakland, was one of the better pitchers in baseball, you know, soft toss and lefty with a big curveball. So um, a lot a lot to look forward to there. And and we we talk about this off the record all the time when it comes down to the draft before we get on to your, your rant here because it's actually a really good, good segue, um, not necessarily draft-wise, but – that was the right pick in the draft. Like you can go, you go through drafts in the past um, for the angels in particular. It's like, Oh, you should have picked this guy. Should have picked this guy. Um, In my seven years of covering the draft, this was the right pick. There there was no other picks that the angels should have made besides Reed Detmer. So um, yeah, it it, it was a fantastic pick and I'm excited to see what he continues to do. So um, with that being said, you mentioned the coaching aspect side of stuff, Mm -hmm. unless you finish your rant here because we brought, and and you can talk about what we were talking about last time if you'd like to. Um, if you need to get like game face on or something like that, do I need to say like Jose Suarez is a good pitcher to piss you off or something like that? I don't know what oh, I need to do. Now we can go. I, this this team this team has been you know this team would be above five hundred. Um, this team would be a playoff team if they weren't Stop. injured. If they Stop weren't injured, it. they'd be. So I'm just want to get you prepped here. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned it here, you know, a couple minutes ago, the coaching aspect of it, and you know the fact that not the cookie cutter type of pitcher doesn't work for everybody. I learned this my first year of coaching in college. Like I tried to make everybody into this, like it's fastball up in the zone. We're dropping a curveball in there and it just didn't work for everybody. Right. Like everybody's a little bit different. Um, and I think that's something that the angels have in a sense with struggled with. You can't make that cookie cutter pitcher, um, you know, and it's, it's not a bad thing to throw your best stuff, but that doesn't work for everybody. You got to figure out what works for everybody. So Nate, I'll let you go ahead, go on your rant. Cause everybody wanted to listen to you on the coaching side of stuff. Yeah. Go ahead and, and throw it out there. But before, well, before, before I let you do that, I need to get in your head. The angels would be a playoff team <laughs> if they didn't have this many injuries. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I actually think it's a really good time to go off on, on this rant too. I think we saved it for a good time because you see, you see Phil Nevin in the dugout on uh what was that Monday? I don't know. Getting, it was cool. I, I think it was. I think it was Monday when we we're getting freaking absolutely murdered by Max Scherzer. Yeah. It could have been Tuesday. I, I all these games are. That was in Houston, going, actually. No, no, it was in Texas for in sure. Texas. Yeah, I think it was Monday when Max Scherzer was absolutely dominating us, and um, you see Phil Nevin lose his mind, and it's like Phil, too little, too late. Like this, this team's out of it. Like it, it is. Um, you're you're kind of trying to save your job is what it looks like. It's like, ah, oh, let me show some emotion, show some energy and be like, hey, let's go. Let's pick it up. And, um, you know, it, it it's not there. This coaching staff um, was not set up correctly, I don't think. Um, it was not set it was not set up to succeed. I think there are a couple things that are really big in coaching staffs that the Angels don't have. The first one and the most important thing is you have to have trust in each other. If you don't have trust in each other, you can't coach. You can't coach together. Um, and I don't think Phil Nevin, like, yeah, he might say that he he is friends with some of the guys on staff, but he didn't bring any of these guys in. This is a staff that's carried over from Joe. Joe has a lot of his guys in here. Yeah, and that and that was the other thing about uh, Joe's tenure is the last year it was, oh, hey, let's throw in Phil Nevin, who Joe didn't necessarily know. And if you look at who Joe typically hires, it's guys he has been with before or he's coached before. Those are the two, or yeah, those are the two big things when you look at who Joe hires. It's guys he has coached with before or he has played, uh, who has played for him. 
And Phil Nevin wasn't one of those guys. So that was an interesting one. And then you bring Ray Montgomery in. Ray Montgomery never coached before. That was a huge red flag for me. Knowing this is like, you're not a coach. Like you need, especially when you have a, a coaching staff that we, we don't have the coaching staff that the San Francisco Giants have. If you go and look at the San Francisco Giants coaching staff, I think it's 25 deep. Like it, it is ridiculous on how many, it might've been last year that they were 25 deep, but, but they have so many coaches that it's like, you, what do they even do? But so Montgomery doesn't really help because he doesn't, I, I don't know what he does except for um, let everyone know what Perry says to do. And then they're supposed to do what Ray says. So that's, that's one strike one for me. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about Benji Gill. So yes. Uh, Giants. Sorry. Um, oh, manager, bullpen, catching coach, pitching coach Andrew Bailey. By the way, former yep. Angels. Good, uh, good one. Brian Bannister, director of pitching. Kai Correa, bench coach and in, infielding coach, assistant hitting coach. I'm not going to name everybody here. Director of hitting, assistant hitting coach, assistant pitching coach, quality assurance coach, first base coach, hitting coach, third base coach, uh, major league assistant coach, uh, major league assistant coach. Bullpen catcher, director of video coaching, assistant coach. I don't know if that's a lot. I'm gonna I'll dig in a little bit more for you and see how many the Angels have right now. But um, yeah, go ahead, continue. Um, yeah. So I was going on the uh, the Benji Gill rent right here. Angels have a little bit less than that, but they have some staff interpreters and, and things like that. That'll make it a little bit bigger. Um, Benji Gill was not set up for success this year. Um, Everyone wants to blame Benji Gill a little bit for the way our defense has played. It is not Benji Gill's fault. We were not set up to succeed with the infield we were we were going to run out there. We didn't have a starting shortstop going into the year. Everyone can point to Zach Neto and be like, hey, he's been amazing. He has. But going into the year, you didn't know if Zach Neto was going to be a major leaguer, and you didn't know when he was going to be a major leaguer. So you didn't have a shortstop, which is the most important position on the field. You were asking guys to play out of position. Brandon Jury is not a second baseman. Luis Rangifo, sure, you can call him a second baseman, but like really isn't a good second baseman. Um, Gio Urshela is not a shortstop. He he's not really even a second baseman, not really even a first baseman. He is a third baseman. Like that's what he's supposed to play. He is very good at playing third base. So I think Benji Gill was not set up for success with the group that he was given and said, hey, make this team a good defensive team in a year where I think defense and athleticism is supposed to be the most important thing with this team. With any team you look at, it's all about being very good athletically and uh, very good on the defensive side of things. You look at what Texas has. Texas is super young and athletic, right? They've got two shortstops up the middle. They've got a young third baseman who has been outstanding. And then you've got a really good athletic first baseman. Perfect, right? Like those, that's what you're kind of looking for right now because the shift is gone. So they're not, they're, they can't quite be in the spots that guys want them to be, but they can be close. And you're, you're trying to put the ball in play more. You're, you saw all these rules trying to, trying to limit things for pitchers. They want guys to put the ball in play more. Tyler Anderson's one of those guys. The Angels go out and sign Tyler Anderson. He strikes out guys at like a, a, a 7% clip. So, why are we going to make the worst Angels defense we've ever seen with a guy who puts the ball in play at a, a 85% clip? Half the time, it's a it's a ball in play. 
more than half the time, excuse me. So I, I'm not going to kill Benji Gill. I'm not going to even kill Phil Nevin because I really don't think Phil Nevin should be in this position. I think that um, this is a power play from Perry. Perry really wants Phil in here because he knows him and trusts him and knows that he really wants a manager job. And this was his way of getting it was, hey, we're going to put you in here, but you better listen to everything I say, because if you don't, I'm going to find somebody else who will. Almost like the Jerry DePoto thing where he put Scott's service in charge and it was like, should Scott really be in this role? No, but you know Scott's going to listen to everything Jerry says because they're friends and, you know, that's the way things work. Every, and here's the one that I'm really going to piss some people off with. Matt Wise. Matt Wise has been here for three years, okay? The Angels pitched it pretty well last year um, with what they had. The starting pitching was pretty good. Michael... Lorenzen was good. Patrick Sandoval had a breakout year. Reed Detmers threw the ball well. Yes, he had to go to AAA to kind of figure things out. But you you can't really teach too much on the fly in a major league setting, right? Major league settings are meant to win baseball games. They're competitive, and it's not a time for development. Unless you're a team like the Oakland A's, where it's like, Yes, we're trying, but we're not really trying. You know, like that's a time for development. When you're a team that claims to be a playoff team like the Angels do every single year and never are, you can't be developing guys on the fly and being like, hey, you know what? You're real close to being a major leaguer. How about we call you up and kind of try and show you how to how to throw the slider a little bit better, how to hold runners a little bit better. No, no you can't do that. This is a time to win baseball games. So yes, he had to go down to triple A. I think, I don't think he was quite ready. I think uh, they should have sent him to triple A just so he could learn what it's like to fail because that is a thing. I think it's a big thing for all players that sometimes they don't fail. And when they actually do fail, how do they, how do they get their mindset right to be like, yes, I failed. I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to get better and I'm going to go out there and succeed because I know how to uh, react when things don't go my way. And I think Patrick Sandoval hasn't quite learned that either. When things don't go his way, still acts a little immature at times. Okay. Matt Wise has done an amazing job. I am not a big Matt Wise guy, but he has done a good job with the talent he has been given. This year in the bullpen, Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, they're veterans. Nothing that Matt Wise can do. Matt Wise is not telling Phil Nevitt, hey, it's time to put Aaron Lupin in the ninth inning or the bottom of the eighth against Oakland. Like, that's not his job. His job is to make sure all of his guys are prepared to pitch in baseball games. That's his job. It's to communicate with the pitchers to be like, hey, you're probably hot today. You are most likely throwing in this area. And then his job is to call down to the bullpen, make sure that they get ready, and then when they are ready, let Phil know, hey, the guy you want to go in the game, or actually the guy that Perry wants to go in the game, is ready to go, so you can make that move. That's Matt Wise's job. Here's the guy that I want to place blame on, and I know we talked about this, and I don't even know if this is 100% fair, but there is one common denominator between what we've seen this year There's a couple things, actually. One, the shift is gone, so you're going to see a lot more offense, right? It's not 100% gone, but it's a little bit gone. So you're going to see a little bit more offense. We're seeing regression in pitching across the board, I think. Yeah, for most teams. Not not every team, but most teams. And that's why I think you see such a giant um, 
why, why it was such a big deal for Houston and Texas to go get Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander because they knew that there was a little bit of regression in pitching and they're like, I mean, a little bit of regression for Max Scherzer as his ERA goes from two to to like three one. Like, and when he's in a playoff environment, he's going to be great. Same thing with Justin Verlander. When you really get him in a playoff environment, he's going to be excellent. Bill Hazel is the common denominator for me, and I know that might not be fair to some people, but he's the common denominator. Who was here? Who was not here last year when Patrick Sandoval was having a breakout year? When Shohei Otani was a Cy Young finalist. He is not a Cy Young finalist this year. You can come at me all you want about that. He is not a Cy Young award winner. He's not. He's the MVP? Absolutely. It's not even close. But he should not be in the Cy Young conversation. He was 100% in the Cy Young conversation last year. Patrick Sandoval, breakout year. Reed Detmers figured it out last year. Um, Yes, there were some bumps in the roads with with Jose uh, Suarez and, and things like that. But you look at some of these guys and to see how much of a step backwards that Sandoval and Detmers have taken. And the reason why I am placing a little bit of blame here on on, uh, Hazel is because they look the same. All these pitchers look the same. They're all trying to throw the fastball super hard. They're all trying to throw the sweeper. It's like somebody came in the room and was like, hey, I know how to fix your team. Start throwing sweepers more. Shohei Otani does it. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Last year when he did it, it was never hit. It was unbelievable. We're going to teach everyone how to throw that. They're all going to throw 97 plus, and they're going to be elite. But that's not how everyone works. Like, Demers isn't that guy. Sandoval isn't that guy. Um, Sandoval actually should throw the hard, hard slider almost more of a cutter-ish like he did for Team Mexico against Team USA. Throw the fastball in and away, and then run the slider in on guys. That's what he should do, and then throw the changeup off of that to really get guys off the plate um, and to get guys guessing and, and out in front and things like that. So that is where I'm at with the coaching staff. I don't, I'm not a Phil Nevin guy. I don't think he should be in this position. It is what it is. You know, he's doing, he's doing Perry's job for him. He's not, this isn't on Phil. Like I, I scream and yell all the time about Phil's bullpen management. It's not Phil. It's Perry's bullpen management. It's Ray Montgomery telling Phil, this is what Perry wants. This is what they have decided before the game. If this is the situation, this is who we're going to. Benji Gill, not the guy for me. Not really uh, the guy who should be taking any of the blame. We don't play defense. We're a a very bad defensive team. And we were set up that way. We were set up that way. But Bill Hazel and Matt Wise, I think Matt Wise is getting way too much much of – of this when he really shouldn't be getting this much hate, I guess is the right word because Matt wise has been here three years, the pitching and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. How many times did you see on Twitter this off season people and MLB people will say angels need pitching angels need pitching. And all you saw on Twitter off season was do these guys not watch angels baseball? The angels, the angels pitching has been really good. We don't need pitching. We need a shortstop. We need, this, we need that. Like they started to fill in the blanks. Maybe we need a shortstop. We need a, a, a closer. Like there were things that we needed, but every Angels fan was going out there saying, we don't need starting pitching. We are actually really good at starting pitching. Five, five deep. <laughs> I guess you could count six. But um, yeah, so 
when you look at what the Angels have done, they have turned guys into very similar pitchers. And that's a problem for me. That's why, and and I think Bill has one of those things where he's like, "Hey, I really love the the sweeper. I really love the hard fastball." He's a driveline guy. Like those, that's driveline loves those kind of things. Pitch, pitch so, line, hard slider. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's where it is. Honestly, um, that was going to be a little bit of my rant about the the coaching staff. Yes, Phil needs to go. Yes, you need to get a whole new coaching staff in there. And here's my thing. Whoever comes in as the manager, and hopefully it's a whole new whole new organization when this happens, but whoever comes in as the manager, he needs to be able to pick his staff. If he doesn't want Ray, Ray Montgomery on the staff, Ray Montgomery should not be on the staff. Yeah. If he doesn't want Benji Gill as his infield coach, we should not force him to have Benji Gill as his infield coach. And then you could you could go down the list of Bill Hazelman being the third base coach and what a oh my gosh watching him manage third base has been awful but you know you go through it all but that's what I'm thinking when I'm looking at it and honestly everyone wants Aaron Boone gone I wouldn't mind seeing Aaron Boone as the next Angels manager Marcus Timms wouldn't that would that might be a guy who stays Angels are up in the offensive categories if you look at it all. All the offense categories are up, which make no sense, but they are. Oh. And uh, pitching has yeah. been down across the board, so hitting is going to be up a little bit for yeah, that. Of course. So proud of you, Nate. Look at that, dude! I got you fired up and everything. I, thought, was... I thought it was pretty calm. Oh yeah, I didn't get you real fired up, unfortunately. Well, we'll we'll get you. We'll get you because it was a f- it was a fake fired up. I know you don't truly believe uh, Jose Suarez is good, and uh, <laughs> this team should be a playoff team. So. All right, guys. All right. Just want to thank you all so much for listening to this podcast and watching it. If you could go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. If you are not watching us on YouTube, get on there, subscribe. Let us know how you feel about the podcast. Send us a DM wherever you know we can be found on social media, Twitter X, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. You can follow myself on Twitter X. Keep calling it that. I know it's X, but it's fine. X, Twitter, whatever it's called. Um, Jared underscore Tim's Nate at Nate Green 34 guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Have a great rest of your day.